This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. Grim news today from Boeing as it is announcing thousands of people will be laid off and these layoffs sound like they will be Involuntary. Here to discuss the latest is Kyle Radio's Chris Sullivan. What do we know? Well, we know about 6,800 U.S. employees of Boeing are going to be laid off. Uh, these are involuntary notices. These are people who wanted to keep working for the company but are going to be laid off because of the current situation. Uh, what we had was we had a series of voluntary layoff notices and early retirement packages that went out about a month ago. Uh, not enough people took them to stave off what is this round now of involuntary layoffs. Now, 6,700 of those U.S.-wide, most of those are going to be here in Washington State as Washington handles most of the production. I mean, other than the, the South Carolina plant of the 8-7, uh, you know, production is here in Puget Sound. And so the production workers, uh, you, engineers, are most likely going to face the brunt of this. We're looking at 10,000 Washington employees probably losing their jobs out of the 16,000 worldwide that Boeing is trying to trim because they're they're bleeding money uh, and the airline market for airplanes has dried up as a result of the pandemic and so Boeing is trying to find a way to stay lean and mean and trim its workforce to try to get through this and we've heard this is just the the first round of layoff this is how it's being framed yeah. well I mean with 6700 involuntary to get to about uh, 10,000 or so there probably will be some more uh, smaller numbers. This is the biggest uh, splash that Boeing is going to make in terms of involuntary layoffs, as, as far as we know, to get to that number. Now, that's not to say that at some point Boeing might realize that they're losing even more than they had anticipated. And I mean, anything is possible. Um, so it's it's one of those situations that, I mean, Boeing didn't want to be in, in this position. Uh, the CEO, David Calhoun, said in a statement today that he you know, wishes there was another way to do this thing. But in order to keep the the manufacturer going, uh, they've got to make this move. Yeah, I remember the the first quarter losses, uh, more than $640 million. I mean, it's not like Boeing was expecting that kind of loss in the first quarter. No, and they now are coming off two straight losing quarters, which uh, has not happened in a long time uh, for this company. I mean, they were printing money. Uh, up until uh, middle of late last year. Of course, we have the max crashes that uh, impacted, obviously, uh, their situation. Then you have the global pandemic on top of it. There was already some feeling worldwide in the global airplane market that the twin aisle, the big planes, were going to start seeing a little constriction. People weren't going as that that big anymore. They were going for smaller, more fuel-efficient single aisles, which the max was set to take over. They can go longer distances and uh, at a better fuel rate. So, yeah. And we're seeing airlines now potentially, you know, CEO Calhoun said that one of them might go under a U.S. carrier based on the lack of passengers. I mean, they're parking their airplanes. They're retiring their fleets of older planes, which means they won't need to be there won't be parts needed for those older planes as well. So this is a supply chain issue down the line. I mean, for every Boeing job that's lost here in this state, there are several more for each one of those that corresponds in the supply chain uh, all the way down to the, the guy that fixes your flat at the local tire shop to the person who serves you coffee along the way. Uh, yeah, this is this is a big blow, and it's something that Boeing could not avoid based on the current market conditions. And Chris, what are the ground rules for layoffs like this? Do they pull the names out of a hat? Is it uh, people who are close to retirement? And what kind of a, a severance can people expect? 
Well, from what I've been hearing, at least for the involuntary, uh, sorry, for the voluntary layoffs, the, the buyout notices, it was about six months roughly worth of pay, about uh, you know a week's pay for every year that you, you've been with the company with a max cap, I think in about 26 weeks. So pretty decent there. Uh, for the involuntary, work. Uh, I mean, not sure what their severance package is going to be. It will come with some Cobra Healthcare, obviously, to help people get through that, some transition services to maybe help them find another position within Boeing. Though for a machinist, it's not going to be very easy unless they can find a way to get onto the tanker or get back onto some of the you know the the NGs it's the 737 that the the Poseidon the sub hunter is made out of uh, so which is still going in production I mean that's not on the max line those are NGs so it, it that I don't know in terms of the severance package but it's it's not good if uh, you know in terms of transitioning potentially to another spot in the company especially for those frontline workers Cairo Radio's Chris Sullivan thanks anytime Will the region be ready to advance to phase two on June 1st? King County Public Health Officer Dr. Jeff Duchin says he's not so sure. A new study suggests coronavirus cases could skyrocket in King County without widespread testing, contact tracing and quarantines. The study comes from the Institute for Disease Modeling in Bellevue. It says King County could reopen without the spike, but only with the strong countermeasures in place. Here's Dr. Jeff Duchin. It took a community-wide effort to get us into the relatively good situation we are in today. It's going to take a robust, ongoing community-wide effort to allow us to move forward safely. But the health department right now says the county does not have the low case numbers yet to reopen. Dave, this is going to frustrate, I think, a lot of people around here. We were waiting for a month now. I mean, the governor had been saying June 1st, June 1st. I know he said there were not going to be any promises, but uh, this is this is frustrating. And Duchin himself has said that he believes King County is moving in the right direction, but they've seen a lot more people out and that there may be more disease transmission as a result of that. And the state has confirmed 116 new COVID cases in Washington as of uh, Tuesday, eight additional deaths. So that may be uh, a reason to to uh, keep things closed down. But you can't deny that there is more and more pressure, not just in the outlying counties now, but in King County, from people who see their livelihoods slipping away, saying that at some point the risk of reopening is worth it. The uncertain risks of reopening are worth the certain risks of not reopening for people who depend on their businesses uh, for their livelihood. Here's another interesting statistic from the Institute for Disease Modeling. Uh, it says that the the R-naughts, you might have heard that number, so the virus's reproduction rate has dropped from nearly three during the, the peak of the pandemic to now slightly below one. That means for every one person that gets infected, that person is infecting, on average, less than one other person. That is a key metric that the county and the state has been hoping we could achieve. Um, but again, you know, the we're seeing more people outside. Mobility is on the rise. So there is the fear that that R not number could rise. And that's why Duchin is saying we're not so sure uh, that phase two is is in our sights come next week. I try to envision everybody I encounter as somebody who is breathing out little virus particles, right? Unless they're wearing a mask, in which case they're still breathing out particles, but they're getting stuck to the mask. And I, I think that's essentially what you have to do if, number one, you don't want to risk infection, and number two, 
you want to make sure that when we reopen, it sticks. Everybody has to do that because the alternative is going to be another one of these difficult decisions where, okay, the hospitals are filling up, but do we want to close down again? And if we decide to stay open while the hospitals are filling up, are we frankly sacrificing people's lives on the altar of business? You know, these are decisions you don't want to have to make. And so the the best thing you can do is as you're out and about, make sure you don't become that next statistic. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty that motivates me, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. So we heard Duchin and the Institute for Disease Modeling say we need contact tracing and we need quarantines in place. But we also know that these are voluntary measures. It's not like the state is going to enforce these things. Um, can we really it's we're going to be able to advance to phase two ever if the state doesn't actually end up enforcing these these rules? Well, when you say ever, uh, at some point you're going to have to reopen because right. depression is not an option. Maybe the idea is so far we've we've kept the uh, sources of infection anonymous. I noticed that in other areas of life when we're trying to discourage an activity. Uh, remember back in the old days when they tried to discourage Johns from visiting prostitutes? They were publicizing the names. Maybe if, uh, in light of what we know now, they discover somebody who turns into a super spreader because of their negligent behavior, maybe we just have to start shaming people. Uh, if you want to stop short of doing what China does and what even Taiwan has done, where they're requiring that you carry a cell phone at all times and they control your movements, you have to find some other kind of incentive. It'd be better if people in their own self-interest, which I, I think it is, uh, adopted that cautious approach to getting too near other people. But uh, if we're suddenly going to have <laughs> outdoor orgies and swimming pools, that's probably uh, going to be bad in terms of being able to stay uh, open without hurting a lot of people. The State Department of Labor and Industries has announced that it's going to put some enforcements behind the governor's Safe Start plan. The agency filed this emergency rule yesterday. That rule gives us the ability to investigate, cite, and fine businesses that are operating in violation of the governor's stay-at-home, stay-healthy order, or if they're open but doing things that they're not allowed to under the order. That's LNI spokesman Tim Church. He says they'll be responding to complaints about businesses that are operating illegally. Fines can be $10,000 or higher, but the agency says they will contact businesses repeatedly and issue fair warnings. Those complaints that are filed could also be released as a public records request because they constitute a public record, and that's uh, stated at the at the portal where you, where you uh, report it. Uh, the agency says this is a workplace safety issue for workers and the public. The fines are workplace safety citation. My question is, again, in light of what we know about how the virus is spread, if you are, for example, compelled to go to work and you don't think it's safe and you get sick, could there be a lawsuit in that? And if you open a business and essentially, by opening, send the message to uh, potential customers that, hey, this is safe to visit, and those customers get sick, could there be a lawsuit as a result of that? That's another incentive, it seems to me, to go by the book uh, as much as possible, because uh, otherwise there are economic consequences to opening up as well as economic consequences to staying closed. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.